He says, so if everything is nature, everything that we're experiencing is nature, he says, then is anything a disturbance anymore? Is noise a disturbance? Are thoughts a disturbance? He says mind is mind. Sound is sound. For someone who knows this is just nature, just objects, he says then their steadiness of mind will not be disturbed. He says, some people say, I was having good concentration and then this sound, I heard the sound and it broke my concentration. Was that good concentration? <laughs> he said, it's, it's uh, untouchable. <laughs> it just breaks apart and it's fragile. But for someone who has the right information and the right idea, they can think in the right way. They have some right thought about it. He says, their samadhi will not be broken. They won't be disturbed. So we don't need to focus very much for a long time to gain samadhi. If there is wisdom, samadhi is already present. He says, for someone who has knowledge and someone who has no knowledge, who has greater... Um, stability. Who has greater equanimity? What's the word? He says, someone who has more knowledge is always more stable. He says, when people are asked, why do you meditate? A lot of people say, because they want to be happy. He says, but if someone goes somewhere and they don't know anything about the place, they don't know the language, they've never been there, they don't know the people, he says, can that person feel secure? Would that person feel stable? No. Because there'll be anxiety. Because of not knowing anything. So in any way, in any case, he says, knowing brings great stability to the mind. So it's very important to know and know more. And the most important thing to know here is the mind. Why is the mind suffering or miserable? Why does the mind become happy? So if we don't understand the mind, we don't know the mind, there's no way we can keep the mind happy or peaceful. He says, so rather than just keep watching the things we're watching, he said we really need to know how the things we're watching and the way we are watching, how all this interacts together, how the mind and its experiences are relating together, we need to know all this. He says, in the beginning, we watch things. We call them objects. And then slowly, he says, we know we're watching it. And then we know the mind is working to do all this. He says, then we get a complete picture of the mind being aware of the things that's being aware and the state of mind that's manifesting. And in this whole picture, he says the most important thing is whether in the mind that is doing the awareness, whether right view is present or not. Is def- which means, is wisdom present? Is wisdom present or not? Or is a defilement present? He said, okay, so say we do a sitting meditation. What shall we do? What do we observe? He says, is the breath at the nostrils a good object? Or rising, falling at the abdomen a good object? A better object? Which 
It doesn't matter. That's right. It doesn't matter. No object is important at all. Only awareness is important. He says, you know, we've heard of many methods of meditation and they all differ only because of the object. In Burma, there are so many methods of meditation. There is the, you know, only because the object is different. The object is the breath of the nostrils or the abdomen or the heart base or the top of the head. (laughs) And it doesn't matter if it's only one object or many objects either. He says what's really important only is is awareness, steadiness of mind, and understanding present. You can take any, you can observe anything that suits your mind. He says, why is it that when people are sitting meditation or trying to meditate and they hear noise, they get angry? He says there's two things contributing to that. They have a wrong idea that's working in their mind and they're unable to get to the object that they think they want to be with. Mm. They don't um, recognize that sound is also an object to be aware of, whether it's noise or not, and also it's just nature. And they think, they think it's disturbing me, then they get angry. <coughs> so it's wrong thought that destroys our samadhi. It's not the noise that destroys it. He says if there's a sound, you have a good ear, you'll hear. That's natural. Is that a problem? <laughs> It's only when we have the wrong thought or the wrong attitude that things become a problem. The liking and disliking arises and when liking or disliking arises it disturbs the samadhi because there's a reaction. Pain. Pain. If we sit a long time we have pain. What do you do when you have pain? I feel pain too. Why do you watch pain? Okay. <laughs> well, he doesn't encourage people to watch pain at all. Is there any one of us here who likes pain? <laughs> When we look at pain, immediately the mind has a reaction. This is very natural to the mind. He says, when we're at home, when we're going about our daily things, and we have experiences through our five sense doors, all these contexts, he says, what is our natural reaction to all these sense contexts? Liking, disliking. You heard that. So it's the habit of the mind. The moment it looks at the object, he said it reacts with liking or disliking. You can't stop that. It's such a habit of the mind. It's been practicing this for a long So, he says, when the mind, so, he says, when we have an experience, what what we want to immediately do is check the mind to see what is the mind's point of view towards this experience, how is the mind relating to this experience, um, what is the mind's ideas about the experience? What's the mind thinking about the experience? How's, what is the mind feeling about this experience? He says, if you're upset with someone at work and you keep seeing that person all the time or looking at the person all the time, how does that make you feel? 
<laughs> the principle is the same when you don't. <laughs> you keep watching the pain <laughs> and you don't like it. So the aversion keeps growing. So what is more important is to watch the mind rather than to watch the pain. To watch the mind to see, does the mind have the right view towards pain? Does the mind actually recognize that pain is just nature? Does it have an accepting attitude towards pain? this happening. He says, so you don't make pain the priority, you make the mind. He says, you check what attitude the mind is holding, see whether the mind can can adjust its attitude and hold a more accepting or right attitude towards it, and then watch the feeling, the tension that the mind is holding. And only do this for as long as you can, as much as you can, as a form of investigation, as an exercise. But once it's not possible anymore, stop. Don't keep making yourself more uncomfortable. Then you can bear. It's only when the mind has or is able to take on right view, or, or you could just say, once the mind has the right mood towards the pain, then he said you can choose to watch that pain. As it is a he says then when the mind is in the right mood, you can see it as it is. So it's not important to watch the pain, it's more important to check the mind to see whether the mind is having aversion still to the pain or whether the mind is having some wisdom towards the pain. Okay, walking. Walking meditation we call it. He says, what do we observe? You can watch anything you like. (laughs) He says, what's most important is to see is the mind knowing myself. He said, start with anything that the mind is able to know. And if the mind is continuously aware of yourself, he said, after a while this awareness grows and then it starts to become aware of more and more things. When the awareness is continuous, he says, the mind actually becomes more stable, it calms down a little, it settles down. And when it settles down, it actually strengthens the awareness because of the continuity as well. And then when the awareness is stronger, actually, what it becomes able to do is, it becomes able to know more things at the same time. He calls it sharp awareness. When the awareness becomes sharp, it actually becomes more receptive, which means it knows many more objects at the same time. That's not being distracted. He says that's because the receiver is good, that it can receive a lot more information at the same time. Okay, that's all for the instructions. If you have any questions, you can ask. Um, Sayadaw has talked a lot about information. And um, there's a connotation in our language that information is related to concept. Concept, yes. And so, and concept has a bad rap in, in, in this culture. In what? In, in this culture? Yeah, it has okay. a bad reputation okay. in this. So could he talk about um, the relationship of information with concept? And then... Can you explain to me how concepts have a bad rap in this culture? Um, they're viewed as, as not... As, as obstacles to insight. Okay, okay. Um, so often the instruction is drop below the story. 
drop below the story of your life. Right. Okay. Got it. Understand. Do I do pure? Use your information at your pure or the the road. Dima America ma tone as a galon known as way information so ragat ra concept net. Do I do I mean concept idea really? Then me concept ka ko niam pipo tu ma ko do. ตัวตัวคอนเนมเปียเนเลยคอนเซ็ปต์กับบัสรอตุระมีเปียเรสตอรี่โออายุมาพิวอ่ะตุระสตอรี่โอคอนเซ็ปต์ก็อยู่เล
the question or the thinking about the practice is really to remind the mind about how to practice and then to bring an interest to the work of doing the practice, which is just to have a direct experience and just to be observing and not thinking anymore. And so he says it should be a short moment of thought and then try to do a lot of the observing, not to think all the time. He says one question is enough, for example, why? <laughs> and then just watch a lot, observe a lot. He says a question is so powerful. He says, if you just ask why, he says immediately the energy of the mind, you know, the interest in the mind is awakened and then that energy is brought to the observation. What? <laughs> he says, and the spirit is really of the real intention to know, to discover. He says, if we just do a aware aware, you know, he calls it, um, uh, it can become a mechanical aware aware where no wisdom is brought to it and so no wisdom comes out of it. So, so interest is very important. Interest has wisdom in it. There's a sense of investigation and we need to bring that to the awareness. He says when we're interested, we don't feel sleepy anymore, do we? Thank you. He's elaborating on thinking, on observing thinking, because he mentioned just now, is it important for the thought to disappear or to know that the thought is here? And he said, in the beginning, it's actually difficult to look at a thought and not get lost in the thought. He says, so in the beginning, he says, we just want to be aware of the thought and then bring it back to something that will ground us. So we can alternate between watching a body sensation and then looking at the thought and then bringing it back to the body sensation. To learn the skill of watching a thought, but remembering... Um, that the point is not to make the thought disappear, not to learn to, st- we're not learning how to stop thoughts. He says, even as we do this exercise, learning to watch thoughts, or when we become able to actually watch thoughts without being lost in them, he says, um, sometimes we can suddenly understand something about the nature of what is happening there. Um, it can be understood in many ways, but the moment you realize something, for example, the mind thinks, oh, why am I doing this? This is not necessary. Understanding that, sometimes the thought vanishes. Or just understanding this is just a mind or just a thought and it vanishes. But it's the wisdom, it's that understanding. And it's for that understanding that we're watching. He says, when we watch thoughts, do we know that this is a thought? Or do we recognize this is really just the mind? He says, it's a different level of understanding. Awareness only recognizes this is a thought. Wisdom sees that this is the mind. Or realizes, understands this is the mind. And talking about storylines and thoughts, he says, what we want to recognize also in thought is not the story in the thought. We want to recognize this is happening, thought is happening, thinking is happening, mind is happening. We want to recognize what is happening now, not the, not the story. I'm, uh, I'm curious about your approach to sleep. Sleep. How you approach sleep and then... Just 
not sleepiness, yeah? You're talking no, about sleep. No, actual sleep. Actual sleep, sleep, yes, okay. Yeah, just anything he has to say about sleep. He says, when you sleep, sleep. <laughs> but, he says, it's very possible when mindfulness gains momentum, or awareness gains momentum, it has its natural momentum naturally present at that time he says it can happen that the body sleeps but the awareness doesn't sleep and he says when it becomes a habit to always recognize thought when dreams come up awareness just becomes aware of that because dreams are thoughts and once awareness is present, even in dreams, uh, the choice becomes possible to understand something. Because once awareness is present, uh, things are known, then you can discover more about yourself through what is being presented in your dreams. And another aspect of sleeping is, he says, before you go to sleep, what sort of mind is the mind going to sleep with? And the moment you wake up, what sort of mind does the mind wake up with? What sort of mind, what sort of mind do we often go to sleep with? Do we go to sleep peacefully most of the time? Or do we go to sleep in a chaotic state of mind most of the time? He says, if we go to sleep in an anxious state of mind, even if we wake up in the middle of the night, we will find that anxious state of mind still present. The Buddha used to make this aspiration or wish for people to sleep well and to awake well. Um, and what he meant is to go to sleep with awareness, samadhi, and wisdom, and to awake with awareness, samadhi, and wisdom. Sayadaw, um, following up on your point about grounding, the need for grounding. Yes. Um, <clears throat> sometimes uh, uh, I've seen that people can find it helpful to stay, to have some samadhi, some level of stability um, without grasping, but just as a way to compose mm. the mind mm. so that it can then apply that mm. to being very spacious and relaxed and seeing right. a number of different objects whereas if, it, if they go too soon to just being with everything yeah. it's too confusing and I want to know does, do you feel that there's a value to that collecting mm. the awareness and developing some stability yeah. um, as a as a preparation for mm. for more. ตัวเปียวเลยอืมอุเสียซะซะอ่ะอะตวีจีเนี่ยคําอ่ะไอ้โอ้คณะกูไอ้ตะคุเนี่ยเสกกูเปลี่ยนเปียวเอาเนเน
there is a value in it and he has no um, problem with teaching it that way with the with the added he would uh, add this to teaching someone when they're being taught to collect the mind that when the mind starts naturally becoming aware of more objects because of that continuous mindfulness and the receptivity growing not to think of that as distraction not to think that it's disturbing because sometimes you can feel uncomfortable to not be like that and then to also um, recognize that this is the nature of the mind at work he says and when confu- when confusion arises is um, is when people have the idea that this is distracting um, it, they think it's not good to be knowing many objects and because they like they have become attached to knowing just one thing and the calm that comes with it he says when we like the calm of being with one thing we don't like to mo- know many things <laughs> he says for example the mind is has decided to stay on one object and it's on the breath and then naturally the mind moves to a sensation on the arm still one object but moves to another object he says what does the person do stay where the mind has naturally gone or bring it back to the main object hello what do you do um i go wherever uh, wherever it's uh, easy to to where all the other things like what that's right yeah he says there is a natural energy and a personal energy and the natural energy has has brought the mind to the next obvious thing um that's the dharma at work he says that's the dharma at work nature at work he says when we bring it back with our personal efforting he says that's the personal energy at work mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the mind works <laughs> just follow up yeah. it, it seems also from my experience that there at different times there's different ways to take in experience um different lenses that sometimes if the mind is too scattered then it's helpful to come back for instance to one object just to compose and then when it's if it's too tight or if it naturally opens up to objects to go to a wider but to be able to go back and forth because it will be more supportive of yeah connecting with the experience not one way is better than the other way but just whatever way helps to connect in the moment in the moment ตะคัดเลยสิกะติ๊ปยั่นลุยนี่เลยบลูมาติ๊ลุมาลวยแล้วอะไฉมาตะแกนะซูซีโบลุไลซูซีโบลุไลสิกะตะแกนะปูมิ
over there. So, is this on? Um, <laughs> I'm noticing not being in the meditation center. <laughs> this relentless activity of mind um, to try to protect myself. So there's, um, it's as if almost all of the energy is in some way going to like protecting this thing that I think is me. So there's, the, there's like the judgments coming, the, the anger, the fear, or just all these things coming like a, like a storm. It's not so bad, you know, because it feels quite normal. <laughs> but it just feels so relentless. And... Um, just just noticing this this activity of mind and um, it's 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 not really that fun <laughs> and it's really exhausting um, so that's not exactly a question but เออตัวเปียวเลยเตียเอ่อยิ่งตามมาหมดจ้ะรอตัวบาดะดิทามีนี่แหละสรอสิกะอันเนี้ย <laughs> อ่าโลกเนี่ยไม่ลงอ่ะบาอลุ่นๆนะทุกคนตัวโปรเทคโลผมงาโปรเทคโลผมเอ่อจัดจ์เมนต์เนี่ยตัวนั้นเนี่
what good does it do to remember that? Like, what's uh, the point? Yeah. Um, ตัวอ่าไทนะหมดตะชาลุละไทนี่เลยโหตะชาลุเอ้อหลุสินซาจิเลยโหตะชาลุไทนะบลุคันซาเลยหลุสินซาละหมดอุดแม่โหเอ่
sometimes feeling like the mind has a mind of its own and sometimes seeing a series of objects vanishing one after the other. That's yeah. what you're talking about. It's almost, it's almost as if the practice, there's, there's no intention behind it. It's just kind of... Does its own thing. Does its own thing. And I wonder if that, if um, somehow this could be delusional or... Okay, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> โหซูโจเรียบุเรียนเป็นมานาโรนะบ่อามะทุชินาโรบ่าซูอะยันเตนนาโรบ่าโรจองอืมวิปัสสนามาปูบรอเอ่อเอเซนเตียเรปูสเ
it's been going about a year now, and there have been people dying around, you know, my inner circle, uh, friends and family members, and and the thought keeps coming up about life being short, and trying to relate this to my younger brother, and waiting a response, waiting for that apology that we all like to get, you know, to prove that we're right. And so yesterday I had an, a, a bit of an epiphany while reading in the backyard, um, and it happened to be a Buddhist book. Uh, and the epiphany was that in order for me to act, you know, have skillful action arise out of, from out of this meditation and what's been happening, is that I would have to call him. He's 16 years younger than I and make um, a, a sort of a plea of, of peace between us and have it be unconditional. Because I knew that by making any qualifications, it wouldn't be enough. Like, we'll have peace if you do this. So that created space and what seemed to be so horribly difficult just shifted things dramatically. So I'd, I'd like to hear a little bit about the skillful action of things that arise in meditation and their application as opposed to just viewing them and letting them go and viewing them because that is, to me, doesn't always appear to give us the answers that we need in, in terms of the practical use of the, of the Dhamma in, in, in life. Sorry, it was so lengthy. Okay. อ่าตัวเปียวเนี่ยอ่าตัวบาติจะแล้วสิครับอืมตะขัดนี่ไทม์ไม่รู้ชุบหรอกแล้วก็ลงเลยอยู่เนี่ยมะหลอกหูเล
when there is no anger because it's understood in the right way, he says then we decide what should be done. What's the right thing to do now? He says vipassana meditation is not sitting still. He says, as we come and go, do our work and live our lives, he said, Vipassana is about um, thinking and speaking and doing things with awareness, wisdom and stability. Doing, he says, with wisdom, not with the defilements, but to do it with wisdom. But when there is a defilement, he says, it makes us impotent. When there is a defilement, we can't do something effective. He said, that's when we have to take the time to use the practice to investigate the defilements to understand them. He says he has something that he used a lot in his practice. He was a very angry person and he used these four questions um, to work with his anger a lot. Now there is anger. Does that make the mind and body feel pleasant or unpleasant? That's the first question. The second question, what is the anger about? And the questions, these two questions, what and the third question, why is the mind angry, are not about the story behind the anger. It's really about the mechanics of the mind or the psychology that's at work in the mind. How is the mind setting itself up to be angry and what is it angry about in itself? We want to know how the mind is feeling and how it's thinking that it's setting itself up. That's what we're investigating. So investigating the way the mind works. Not about the things outside, the story that is ostensibly because. And the last question is, is it the necessary to be angry or not? Thank you. This is the last question for this session and then you all will continue to practice in the afternoon and there will be more question and answer sessions today in the afternoon. I've noticed that since I've been, no, okay. I've noticed since I've gone back from retreat, my practice uh, my discipline and practice has fallen off and I noticed I'm at that point where I'm there's an aversion to practice because I feel like I'm at square one and so my motivation is very very low at this moment um, and I'm wondering uh, if the side out has some tips for jump starting the inertia to get excited about practice So the key to the problem is really attachment to how it was in retreat. And so when it likes what it experienced in retreat, it doesn't like the place it is at now. And he says, so don't wait 
to get results from practice. You had a thousand dollars in retreat, you have a hundred dollars now. He said, <laughs> he says, make the hundred dollars, make the hundred dollars worth its while. Use it for what it is. He says to just keep doing the practice because what will be the result of not doing the practice? He says, you know, the reason we come across conflicts like this and everyone does is because we don't know, we don't know how to appreciate the value of the presence of awareness and what non-presence of awareness would be. We don't appreciate this value. And that's why what we're always looking for is the results of the practice. We're always thinking it shouldn't be like this. Instead of appreciating there is awareness now. He says, in the life we are have now, he says, be aware now. He says, in the moments you are aware, you're relieved. Every moment is a relief.